For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You're listening to Bill Handel, on demand from KFI AM 640. Some people have had changes in behavior, hostility, agitation, depressed mood while taking or after stopping. Bill Handel. If you notice agitation, hostility, depression, or changes in behavior, thinking or mood that are not typical for you, stop. Bill Handel. And call your doctor right away. And now, here's Bill Handel. KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here. The, no- the morning crew on a Thursday, July 13. Some of uh, the stories that we are covering, uh, Rolling Hill Estates, those homes that have just literally dropped into the ravine because of the moving earth underneath the homes. Well, you got more evacuations, uh, these collapsing homes. Uh, in addition to 12 homes that were already red tagged, you got more coming down. Uh, it's it's a tough one for those homeowners and you know we're going to figure out why we're going to be told why uh the rain saturated so much the heavy rains and the uh the earth just can't sustain uh the homes i mean it's you know, these are multi-million dollar homes too these are uh, probably the entire life savings of people that move there especially people that moved there years and years ago the um nato summit uh, in Vilnius, uh, Lithuania, is over. Just finished up. Uh, the president was giving remarks with the Finnish president, and a couple of things happened that I want to share with you. A couple of things that weren't being ex- weren't expected, and uh, it's uh, the president. Uh, president Biden is going to come back as a big winner on this one. Now, of course, he'll be attacked by his enemies, uh, no matter what. That it's a lose, lose, lose situation, but uh, he's won this one. Uh, so he just concluded this meeting uh, with an address. He spoke, Finnish president uh, spoke. And what he did, he compared the battle to expel Russia from Ukraine to the Cold War struggle that happened for so many years in Europe and promised Ukraine and promised NATO, we will not waver in terms of the uh, support for Ukraine. Now, there's an issue. There was an issue about uh, Ukraine joining NATO And I'll talk about that uh, in a moment. So it seems like his speech is preparing us and NATO 
uh, with this confrontation, which we know is there, and it's going to go on for years. And what he did, he uh, basically cast it as uh, an invasion uh, that Putin has lost, has shown no interest in giving up on uh, this invasion. He's not going to pull back. He's double downing. He's, uh, he's doubling down. And uh, what Putin has decided, and he has no choice, is he's not going to win this, but it's going to become a war of attrition. He plans on outlasting Ukraine, and that's how he is going to win. The problem is, uh, does Ukraine sit down and negotiate? Up to this point, it won't, because how do you negotiate giving up part of your country? That's the problem. You can't. And the Ukrainians, the uh, the Ukrainian service people, uh, the citizens, I think would rather go on with a war with the help of the International Alliance, because without them, of course, there's nothing there. Biden said Putin still wrongly believes he can outlast Ukraine. Describe Putin as a man who made a huge strategic mistake in invading Ukraine. He said he made a bad debt. So here's where uh, we have a real win uh, for Biden. And this we weren't expected. He was successful in talking uh, President Erdogan of Turkey to drop his objections to Sweden's admission as a NATO country. That wasn't expected. And what that does is make the entire Baltic area, the Baltic Sea, makes it almost entirely comprised of NATO countries. That's the last thing Putin wanted. The whole point of the invasion was to keep Ukraine out of NATO because they were on their way. You had an issue with Turkey. Oh, by the way, Turkey's going to let that happen. Uh, what is not happening is that Ukraine is now joining NATO, even though I'm telling you, NATO countries want him to join. He wants to join. The president wants Ukraine to join NATO, but it can't happen until the war is over. And even uh, Zelensky, even to his chagrin, uh, to his utter disappointment, understands that. And he even said it. We have to wait until we're stabilized, effectively when the war is over. And that's the only way we're going to get into NATO. And why? We've talked about this before. Because NATO, the basic premise of NATO, it's an alliance of defense. And it says if one country is attacked, all countries are attacked in NATO, 32 countries. And we have to then go to war with the attacking nation. Well, the whole thing was built on uh, the Soviet Union at that time attacking the West. That's what NATO was conceived about. That was uh, what it was about when it started. And so guess what's happening? You have the Russia attacking a putative NATO country, Ukraine. If Ukraine is part of NATO, it's war with the Soviet Union by the charter. If Ukraine is not part of NATO and it's attacked by Russia, well, no one has to go to war. No one has to go back and literally go to war with Russia. So what are they doing? Loading the Ukraine with arms. Matter of fact, uh, the president is increasing, upping the amount and the sophistication of the weapons. You remember the HIMARS were going to go, those uh, uh, those rockets uh, that were mounted on these vehicles. Oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that. He did it. Cluster munitions, cluster bombs. Oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that. He did it. Now there are a couple of other uh, very high-end pieces of uh, war equipment that he is probably going to send. 
So the Western Alliance, strongly, strongly in favor of Ukraine, will not waver, and I don't believe it will. The president said we're in it for the long term. I believe that. Ukraine desperate for joining to join NATO ain't going to happen. Not until this is all over. When's that? Don't know, because it's a war of attrition. Russia now figures out that the only thing we can do, we Russians, is wear down Ukrainians. That's it. Not going to happen? I don't think so either. Occasionally, Ann, the producer, uh, will find a topic that I kind of like. And, you know, I want to talk about it, but it makes no sense to me. I just don't understand it. And so I blow that one out of the water. I go, all right, uh, not going to deal with it. It's just too either wonky or it just makes no sense. Uh, This one, uh, I'm trying to figure out what it is. And this has to do with the premise that math scores among California high school students are among the lowest in the nation and keep declining. And it is so unfair. What's unfair about math scores? Because white people that come from fairly affluent uh, uh, communities, families, do better than minority students that come from a lower socioeconomic uh, family or environment. Okay, shocker, isn't it? Here's another one. Rich people do better than poor people. Rich people drive nicer cars. They eat better. They have nicer homes. So statistically, it's poor minorities. I don't want to get into that because that is a topic we could spend days and days and weeks and weeks talking about. But the premise is, here we go. We have a huge problem in math scores that keeps that just uh, keep uh, just dropping like crazy. Well, high school, if you want to go to college, there are certain things you have to uh, have under your belt. And when you talk about math, it goes, I think, trigonometry and uh, uh, algebra and calculus. Now, let me tell you about calculus. I actually, prior to going to law school, uh, enrolled in an MBA program at Cal State Northridge. I was going to get my master's degree in business administration. One of the requirements was calculus. I didn't understand calculus. I couldn't get it. You might as well have given me a class in ancient Greek. And that's how much I understood calculus. I'm just not wired that way. By the way, just as a quick aside, I couldn't get calculus. And uh, for me, law school was the easiest school I ever went to. Just didn't even bother. It just worked for me because I'm wired that way. So here's the problem where you have these students. It's just not working. They're just not testing well. So let's change it. So there's a new guide, a 1,000-page teaching framework uh, that has been produced. Board of California Board of Education uh, has, in fact, uh, they commissioned this. And uh, it's uh, long-needed, long-studied, and sweeping changes designed to make math more relevant, more accessible for students uh, who are not doing well. Read, for the most part, minority students who are poor. And what it does is replace traditional instruction. Here is your algebra. X plus Y equals negative 5. I mean, your your equations. And and algebra or uh, trigonometry, it's a yes or a no. I mean, it's not almost. It's not like you write an English exam. Eh, It's pretty good. No, no, no. It's either right or wrong. Well, it's mostly wrong with students. So 
Here is uh, the focus. It's on big ideas in math. That's the premise. Big ideas. What the hell does that mean? Well, it sort of changes the whole concept where it's really not important to do equations. It's important to understand how math affects our life. So if you're studying a mile, it's uh, not necessarily 500, I'm just throwing an example, 5,365 feet, whatever it is. It's a long distance that takes us about 12 minutes to walk. It's a big idea. You really don't have to know the actual numbers. Well, I gave you some pushback. You know, for example, calculus, and this is what the report says, there are multiple ways to get to calculus. A lot of encouragement for people who think that about progress in math, some kids are going to get advanced math. They're going to get it very quickly. Others will not. Uh, so, This program is kids with different math levels could be in the same class learning about the same big idea, how math affects us. That is the important part. Uh, You know, here's one, uh, a lesson on measurement. Ask students to locate different places where their relatives live or that they heard mentioned in conversation. So the students select a starting point and an ending point and sort of figure out the distance uh, using the scaling features on maps that don't have to be exact. Yeah, it's it's about 50, uh, uh, 50 miles. Uh, then there's the vignette uh, designed to build confidence and teamwork through math identity rainbows. That what I really like, math identity rainbows. For example, pink. Perseverance, orange, numerical reasoning, yellow, communicating, blue, modeling, representing situations in everyday life mathematically. Mathematically, what does that mean? Well, it's not really mathematically. It's just the big picture. I told you you can't understand it. I don't know what the hell this means. If my kids are taking a calculus class, you know what I'd like them to learn? Calculus. You think that's a problem? By the way, a quick aside, when I took the bar, uh, this has to do with a minority uh, a minority movement. Uh, when I took uh, the bar, uh, it was less than 3% African-Americans were taking the bar and passing the bar. Uh, and it was a horrible figure. So there was a movement to make the bar more fair by looking at life through the eyes of a black person. The question should be attributable so someone who is a minority looks at these problems through black eyes. That lasted three seconds before they threw that out the door. What's going to happen here? I don't know. We got big ideas. Now we're going to go into a fun direction, which we do every Thursday. And this segment is earlier with Mo Kelly because his show is later with Mo Kelly. Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 uh, p.m. His address, social address is at Mr. Mo Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y. Mo, good morning. Good morning, Bill. Good to talk to you. Uh, Yes, it always is, isn't it? Always, every single time. Yes. This is why people absolutely love me. You know that, don't you? Uh, This is, it's a big story. First of all, there are these two movies that are coming out, and 
the I've been reading uh, and listening to the fact that uh, these are so divergent that there has never been two blockbuster. Absolutely, we know they're blockbusters that are coming out. I mean, the uh, the fe- the folks that look at this uh, and uh, the pundits uh, will say, "Oh yeah, they're too huge." They know the buzz. One is Barbie. The other one is Oppenheimer. Uh, the story of uh, the atomic bomb and uh, Oppenheimer's view uh, or his uh, involvement. He ran the uh, program, and it's it's an amazing story. So uh, before uh, I ask you uh, what the hell is going on and what's your take on this, uh, yesterday there was a meeting with management. I was ordered to see Barbie. Ordered. Now, we knew I was going to see Oppenheimer anyway. I mean, that's a given, but... right. Tell me why I was ordered to see Barbie. Nobody can tell Bill Handel what to do. He's uncontrollable. You can only hope to contain him, but you can't tell Bill Handel what to do or yeah. movie to see. Yeah, you can. Just You should have been in that meeting yesterday. Okay, so uh, why the buzz on Barbie? I think part of the buzz was the great marketing where they didn't really divulge the nature of the story, the specifics for quite a long time. They had these very subtle reveals as far as who was going to be in this uh, in the movie. They have all these cameos, which they were rolling out bit by bit. And then you get bits and pieces of the story itself. It had a very unconventional marketing marketing plan that I liked. It even had a world premiere on a Sunday. Who the hell does that? But at the same time, you had this growing interest in the Barbie, um, not only franchise, but just the mystique and the history of it, which has been building over the course of years. And I think Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are just perfectly cast for it. So I think it's more like a confluence of things. And I have not seen the movie, but if you asked me six months ago, did I want to see it? I would have said, hell no. And if you asked me today, I would say, hell yes. You know, by the way, I was told I'm probably going to like it, uh, but I'm trying to wrap my head around, okay, what do you do uh, with a concept, Ken and Barbie, and that's what you have. You have dolls with no anatomical features. Uh, you have dolls that don't talk to each other. Uh, where where do you go with that? I mean, you can do anything. Uh, you know, you could do uh, Ken and Barbie on a cruise. You can do Ken and Barbie at uh, in a sex scene. Uh, what do you do with it? sex scene with no anatomical parts okay. that's what makes it particularly <laughs> enjoyable yes well if you look at the broader strategy of mattel they're also doing a hot wheels movie they have these properties which don't have any stories attached to them but pixar has shown or all the other companies have shown that you can create if you create a good story audiences will still buy into it. There is a history regarding Barbie. People know about the dream house. People know about the Corvette. People know about Ken and his anatomical anatomical issues if you can incorporate those things into a story it will make sense on some level for most people and from what I understand they do exactly that. Uh, yeah you know, I was thinking about Super Mario Brothers uh, the movie I'm assuming they did the same thing you've got a where there was nothing there other than a video game and a movie comes out. Well, it's a little bit different because Super Mario Brothers, there are 
characters and there is a basic storyline and premise to the video game which they had woven into the movie so there was a general type of story which could have uh, was put together surrounding the world of Super Mario Brothers. There was more to work with, I think, with Super Mario Brothers than with Barbie. I think Barbie was more of a, a blank slate as far as what type of story you wanted to tell okay, of her sense. leaving Barbie world into the real world. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see a sex scene, too. I'm writing it as we speak. Hey, let's have sex. You look down, you go, gee, I'd like to, but uh, how do I do it? Uh, let's take a break and come back and talk uh, a minute about Oppenheimer. Uh, that's a movie that I'm very excited about only because of the historical context uh and then uh we'll talk a little bit about emmy nominations if there are any surprises uh or is it yeah it makes sense all of that and uh, mo while we're talking about movies and uh, we just finished uh talking about the barbie movie which may or may not turn out to be a porno film and if it does that's really magic considering the lack of uh at anatomical effects but the other movie, and this one I'm going to see, is Oppenheimer. And you don't have two movies that are so divergent in sort of the same release period. Uh, so is there anything? Is there a lot there in terms of just the two movies and being that different, same timeline? Well, I would say that in today's movie environment, it is interesting that two of the most uh, uh, highly anticipated releases are going to be released on the same day, with the exception of maybe uh, Mission Impossible 7, which is coming out this weekend. Um, I can't wait for Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is someone I studied as a kid. I'm a Christopher Nolan super fan, so put those together. It's a movie I will not miss under any circumstances, but they're not competing for the same audiences. And even though you may have some crossover, I know AMC, they're doing like a double feature with those movies. People who are going to see Oppenheimer, which is an R movie with frontal nudity, male and female, that's not going to be the same audience as someone who's going to see the feel-good um, co comedic aspects of Barbie. So they're, gonna, they're not going to be going for the same people, so they may not impact each other as much. I'd be more curious to see whether Mission Impossible has a such a great first weekend that there is a hangover to the second weekend, which negatively impacts both Oppenheimer and Barbie. Okay. And by the way, as soon as you talked about frontal nudity, nudity, I thought it was the Barbie movie, and it's still a G-rated movie. The um, Oppenheimer movie, I want to go back to that. Uh, for those people that don't know the story, of it's about the making of uh, the, uh, the atomic bomb, the creation of the atomic bomb, with Oppenheimer, who was the head honcho, and what a character he is. He later ended up losing his security clearance. He was involved with this Swedish woman who uh, maybe could have been a spy. I mean, no one knew. It's it's just insane. Uh, truly, I can't wait. And uh, as you said, uh, you're excited, I'm excited. Uh, let's talk about the Emmy nominations. And uh, any surprises there at all for you, Mo? Yes, jury duty. Four Emmy nominations. It was a very lightly regarded, small, almost independent television show on Freevee, which is the subdivision of Amazon Prime. It was not heralded in any way. It starred James Marsden as himself. It talked about uh, this call out they did for someone to serve on a jury when it was a ruse, when it was actually a scripted series. So they got this unassuming guy who served on this jury, but everyone around him was an actor, including the plaintiff, the defendant, the judge, the jury. Everyone was an actor except for the principal character. And it goes over like maybe eight or nine episodes. It is laugh out loud, 
riotously funny and deserving the four Emmy nominations, but it showed how a streaming network can still create great content. Yeah, when you talked about it uh, as a concept, uh, I, w I was saying, my God, that's brilliant. I've never heard that before. And it is that's something that not, I want to watch just by the high concept of it. I mean, I like talking about concepts. I always ask the same question. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember My Mother, the Car. Yes, uh, I do. Yeah, with Ann Southern and Jerry Van Dyke. And the whole premise is uh, mom dies and comes reincarnated back as a Model T Ford and talks. Uh, and I go, there's a pitch. How does anybody say yes to that who's in a suit in a corporate office? Uh, but this one, you know, if I'm a if I'm a, a corporate suit and you brought me that concept, I'd buy it in a heartbeat. And you're saying it really worked. Not only does it really work, you would love it as someone who understands the law, appreciates the law, and you would also appreciate the absurdity of the moment. The characters are believable. What you see, it may seem absurd, but at the same time, you actually enjoy the innocence of the principal individual and how giving and how caring he is for the other members of the jury who are obviously not real in that regard. I highly recommend jury duty to you. Wow, sounds good to me. That's for sure. Uh, the uh, who decides these Emmy nominations? Um, you've got uh, twenty. Who is it? Uh, I think it was HBO with twenty-two uh, or twenty-seven. I have no idea. I mean, how many awards can you get? Well, put it this way: it's a voting body of about twenty-one thousand members, and to give some context. The Oscars and the Grammys, you put those together, and it's just barely as much as the Emmy. So it's the, it's the largest voting body out there voting on this type of an award show. So when people talk about surprises or snubs, it's hard to say something is ever snubbed as if there was a conscious um, a movement or decision to exclude a person or a property or a studio when in actuality it's a voting body and they vote their allegiances, they vote for their friends, they vote for their studios and that kind of thing. And it can fall any number of ways when you're talking about some 20,000 eligible voters. Yeah, for sure. And the, the entire concept, and we've talked about this before, and uh, you, you've, you've said it, that there are so many award shows right now, they are so diluted uh, that uh, I can't even start naming all of them. Uh, the Academy Awards still pretty up there in terms of its influence and the panache. H how is the Emmy Awards uh, in that regard? How, do, how are they taken? Within the television industry, still, it is the gold standard for the industry, be it primetime or daytime. If you are someone who's a television actor, you want that award on your mantle. Does it mean that automatically your career is going to take off? But you... That, who's to say? But you want that. If you're a, an actor and you're working in television, you want to be recognized by your peers and also by your industry writ large. But here's something you didn't mention, Bill. We have all these award shows, but we don't know if we're going to have these award shows given what's happening with sag after and, and the likely strike there, the ongoing strike at WGA. The Emmys is supposed to be, I think, on September 8th. There's no guarantee that that award yeah. show would happen. Or there'll be no writers and you're going to see right. the, uh, yeah, the, the host... Uh, write his or her own jokes, knock, knock, and everybody in the audience goes, who's there? That's what we're going to see, right? Well, we won't even have a host because that's <laughs> a sag after. That's true. All right, Mo, thank you. Uh, you can catch Mo tonight, 7 to 10 p.m. as he is on every week. He's at Mr. Mo Kelly's his address. Have a good one, Mo. Catch Talk you tonight. To this is KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. 
You've been listening to The Bill Handel Show. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.